There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a huge welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back for yet another week, uh, episode 437. I can't quite believe it. And uh, um, I've got a guest on today, David Keener, I'll introduce you to very shortly. Um, David's been on the show once before. It was a great show last time. We talked about pitching, I seem to remember, back in 2013. Uh, it's amazing how, how time flies uh, now, I um, just want to say a big thank you to my guest uh, last week. Uh, I hope you enjoyed the show on A Beautiful Business with Steve Morris. Uh, Steve is just one of, the, you know, one of the most amazing souls I know. He's a very, very good friend of mine. He lives in San Diego. He's a, a very successful artist, uh, a marketer, had an amazing marketing agency, and he, he helps all sorts of people. But his, his latest book, The Beautiful Business, is about bringing the concept of uh, beauty into business and the way that leaders kind of operate and behave and develop their companies with real emotional intelligence so they all flow beautifully like a, like a, a work of art, really, which is where the parallels are. So if you're interested in that, do check out the interview with Steve last week. Um, so uh, wherever you are in the world, and I know I have the, the privilege that um, the show's access in over 50 countries every month, which just uh, blows my mind, really. You know, wherever, wherever you are, I hope that you're, you know, that you're that you're well, that you are, your mindset's in a good place. Um, if not, hopefully we can help help with that today. And you're feeling energized to develop and yourself grow your businesses. And you know, with having had COP26 uh, only about a week ago, I think uh, it's, you know we can't just rely on on governments to to help us to elevate and improve the world. We've got to do that. We've got to make our own contribution, our own way, and look at how we can all help. So, um, you know, for me, there's a bit of a theme there for the show, kind of partly moving forward, is, is how do we all step up individually with our mindsets, come together with others? How do we collaborate? How do we make a bigger contribution? Because this life's not a dress rehearsal now. It's about, it's about really stepping up wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you're with. So somebody who has stepped up, um, somebody I'm delighted to welcome you to you today is David Keane. And we're going to talk about, about business development, about prospecting and networking, and in a, a really kind of positive, engaging way, which is uh, David's style. And uh, David's read a new book. It's, a, it's called Catalyst. And, and it, we're talking in there. The, the reason for Catalyst is about creating a chemical reaction between strangers and having this ability to effortlessly convert um, opportunities into new businesses and, of course, you know, fulfill those in a very effective and authentic way. Now, David Keane is acknowledged as one of the world's authoritative business development practices. I mean, people pay David a lot of money to help them uh, win um, pitches, and he's helped generate you know, billions of dollars of extra revenue for companies. So David really does play the game. Um, he, he helps clients, um, as, as mentioned. He's also in demand and very inspiring speaker around the world. Um, he helps organizations. He coaches top executives, works with 
entrepreneurs to achieve peak performance, and of course, works with some of the world's best organizations around selling. He's uh, a three times international best-selling author. His latest book, uh, Catalyst, Using Personal Chemistry to Convert Contacts and Contracts, has become available. He wrote that um, with uh, with a, a colleague. I'm just looking here for a name. I can't remember it. He'll tell us in a moment. I and will. he's a regular columnist, um, podcast guest, and contributor. And he's co-founder of uh, Blicaba Limited, a psychology-based behavior change consultant. So really, really apologies to your co-author there. It just slipped my mind. No worries, and thank you so Louisa, much. Louisa, isn't it? Louisa, Louisa Clark. Louisa Clark, that's it. Name, name check straight up front. My apologies, Louisa. We have met before, and uh, it's just a, a slight senior moment on my part. So, <laughs> um, so good, good to see you. And I was, I'm really pleased actually to see your. We had Judy Piatkus on the show a few weeks ago, and just by coincidence, your book has been um, come under the imprint of Piatkus. So it is yeah, Little yeah. Brown. I'm guessing Little Brown. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it's lovely to be part of that family. That's great. I think Judy's, um, it's lovely to see Judy's mark, you know, all these years after selling her business to Little Brown, and that is the real mark of quality. So full respect to Judy. If you're not listening to the interview with Judy, do go back into the archive. So to David, it's been a little while since you've been on our show. In fact, I think June 2013, I can't quite believe it. So what's been going on? What's been going on? My birthday, yeah. What's been going on? Oh, gosh. Uh, where do I start? Uh, a lot. Uh, a lot has been going on, actually. You couldn't have picked a, uh, a more interesting interregnum in terms of b- between then and now. Um, I basically, uh, I had my own consulting firm at the time, and, and we talked about pitching. Um, in the subsequent years after the interview, I took two winter sabbaticals, retrained as a chef, and work the winter seasons as a chalet chef in the Alps. Um, I also trained as a ski instructor, um, mainly because it was a big love of mine skiing and I'd never got any better. And I just thought, oh, <laughs> I don't, I don't do it now. When am I going to do it? Um, it coincided with, with a landmark birthday. Um, and uh, it's sort of a bit like a snowball going down a hill. It started a train of events. So when I got back, I had a little rethink about what I wanted to do. Um, I met Tanya, who uh, I'm now married to. A year to the day after meeting Tanya, we had Emily, who's our little daughter. She's now five years old. Mm-hmm. Um, we moved the family from Moscow back to the UK. Um, and I've got uh, three other boys, three three older boys, and um, started a couple of new businesses, and then wrote this book in lockdown, which was a super project to do, kept me nicely occupied. So uh, yeah, quite a lot, quite a lot has been going on. Been quite, event- been quite eventful, then, hasn't it? Congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been very enjoyable as well, and a and a, a big personal growth story too. And what what interesting sort of break you know to have to go something completely different from all this uh, you know, consultancy work you're doing training as a chef improving your skiing it was meeting new people moscow yeah 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 well there's no finer office i can promise you than uh, the top of a mountain um it's a very nice place to work and it was lovely being a chef because you're looking after guests you, you meet so many lovely interesting people just as you do on your show as you were saying um from all walks of life and at the end of the day uh, when you finish serving dinner you walk out and your job's done very different from the life of a consultant so it was a really nice break a really good fresh start and moscow i ended up in because uh, that's where tanya was based and we'd met through work so uh, 
quite a few years beforehand and rekindled our relationship and off we went. So um, Emily was born in Moscow and I've spent quite a lot of time there. So yeah, so it's been a, a really big sort of mix up of lots of different things. Mm. I'm just, uh, how, how did you find the culture in Moscow? Um, well, <laughs> Russia has a really yeah. interesting reputation over here, doesn't it? I mean, I, I know we're talking to lots of countries, but um, uh, Moscow is a, is a big multinational city. It's definitely in the top rank of cities. It's transformed over the last two decades in terms of what people might imagine it's like and what it's really like. You can get anything anytime. I mean, it really is the city that never sleeps. Um, it's a very vibrant community, etc. Obviously, politically, there are lots of different things that cause, you know, friction around around the world um, with different with different people but the people I meet I mean I think, I think sometimes Russians have this this reputation for being qu quite quite insular quite difficult um, a little bit stony faced but I promise you once you get slightly beneath the surface they are warm as hell and um, great companions so it's been a a lovely thing to discover an entire new culture um, and an entire new place to to go and visit. It's it's full of fantastic places and really lovely people by and large. It's great, isn't it? And it, it's really, really fascinating. I think some of these countries, which uh, you you hear, you know, propaganda, and because the relationship between one country and another not, might not be great, and but when you spend time on the ground, the perspective that you get is very different to the rhetoric um, yeah well you you said it beautifully in your intro you know when it's time for everyone to step up and make the world a better place you know one-on-one -on -one, people are always delightful it's just when nationalistic stuff gets in the way or or big political agendas then it gets a bit messy but most people most of the time anywhere on earth are are pretty hospitable so if you reach out to them in a good spirit, hopefully you'll get that back. Yeah, I think uh, as one of my guests uh, saying, saying that you know people, all people really want is they want to have a, you know be able to look after their families, a roof over their head, uh, maybe be able to have you know holidays if that's kind of possible, but also have relationship and friendships with people and, and get on with others, and that's the reality of it. I think, and uh, we can we can be you know pulled into into niches and different uh, different ways of thinking which are maybe about behaviors which are about competition and things like that which aren't always um, always healthy so no. i think maybe there's a you know an opportunity i think you know for people just to realize that and just take stock and realize that you know, across the world there are many many amazing people and we can all all collectively support each other and uh, help Help the world to become a better place, and not just for. We will. Shall we sing you know? "Kumbaya" now? Do you think? We should Maybe so. Do link you... hands around the campfire. I'll let you start the singing off if you like. How about that? <laughs> well, you got <laughs> so, so, to tell me. So, to tell me, oh, you've had a little. You've also had an incident over the last couple of weeks. If you don't mind sharing, what happened to you, and what did you learn from it? Um, well, I uh, I'll answer the second question first, which is don't get ill. Uh, that's a very simple answer. So I. Um, weirdly, at my age, I got um, a grumbling appendix, which normally would be dead easy, simple. You go in, they diagnose it, you have a little keyhole surgery, and you're in and out in a day, and then you get on with your life. Unfortunately, because of uh, the current state of play, certainly with the UK's NHS, which is in a perpetual state of emergency, 
um, I kept getting bumped down the priority list. So what actually happened is when they eventually did get around to doing something with me, it was too late and the whole thing had ruptured um, and it had spread infection all around my, my body. Um, so instead of it being a neat little op, um, it was a much, much bigger one that lasted four hours. And I was in hospital for about four days and I'm still convalescing. So it was a, it was a bit of a shock because it came out of the blue. There's literally nothing you could do about this sort of thing. It just, you either get it or you don't. Uh, you just have to hope and pray that they catch it in time. Um, so whilst the staff that looked after me post-op um, were lovely and, you know, you can't be too grateful to people like that because they're certainly not, um, they're not doing it for the money, that's for sure. Um, they were lovely, but uh, the system is broken. And, and I was an unfortunate victim of that. And there are going to be lots more victims, which is a great shame because until it's all settled down and sorted, um, it's just going to, it just main, means everything gets pushed out until it's life-threatening. And then when it's really life-threatening, then they have to act because they've got no option. So uh, I'm very lucky to be here in truth and very grateful for it. But um, gosh, I wish, I wish, you know, that old thing about stitch in time saves nine. Um, I wish we could go back to those days because that would that would have made life a lot more pleasant. But it is what it is. So don't get ill is my short advice for that. Oh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe become a catalyst to improve things, which brings us on to your <laughs> <laughs> brings us on to your 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 book. I mean, we've just got we've got about four minutes till commercial break now. But just tell, give us a little sense of what your businesses do to help people and and why this book. Uh, catalyst to using personal chemistry to convert contacts into contracts is just so important today. Well, we it, it occurred to us to write it because we wrote it in lockdown and we've just been through probably the worst economic downturn in human history. We saw many, many businesses that just went to the wall. Um, and those that did survive um, really do need to start growing again. And I know that we're starting to climb out now, but we wanted to give people a helping hand to do that. And the best way to grow is to find new customers and clients and, and provide more of what you do for your existing customers. So we, we figured that businesses were going to need all the help they could get. So we accumulated, Louisa and I, we accumulated all the wisdom we had about how you grow businesses and how you, how you um, structure conversations to help people make the right decisions and go out and win new contracts. And we wrote the book to help them do that. And, and it came out. Um, in the summer, hopefully just as we were sort of lifting our heads and coming out of the gloom. And hopefully the timing has been really good because it's devoutly practical and pragmatic. It's all about, um, you know, specific things you can do um, that will help build the business again. And, you know, it, so it's sort of part public service because we felt we really are in deep, deep trouble. Um, and people really need all the help they can get to grow their businesses and stop relying on you know, furlough schemes and government handouts and everything. Um, but it's also uh, something we, we care passionately about because we've been doing this all through our careers and we've learned so much from other people and we just wanted to pass it on because it's, uh, it's very valuable skills. And I think they all often get underplayed. Um, but these soft skills make a massive difference to your fortunes and also to your life. You know, if you're good at networking or just being good with people, what's not to like? Yeah, and I think I think you know having having delved into your into your book, you know what I what I like. There's no, it's, this is not about sales trickery. This is not about 
um, just about sales kind of processes and setting targets and having to hit numbers. There's some real kind of pragmatic approach where actually you can make the sales sales process be something which is is um, caring, is interesting, is smart, yeah. is using using and honing your emotional intelligence yes. to to, uh, to to enable this process to flow beautifully. Really, leading on from you know, well, Steve. I'm- I'm glad, you, I'm glad you picked up on that because it's really the antidote to all that stuff. We hate sales tricks. We hate that sort of sniff of blood in the water and everyone mm-hmm. gathers around, you know, going in for the kill. We hate the terminology of hunters uh, and all that stuff. It, it makes it sound predatory and nasty and, and, and vicious. And it shouldn't be that. We're dealing about, we're talking about relationships you know, long-term business relationships so that people come back to you again and again, not just a quick kill. And we also wanted it to be jargon-free. So that's exactly why it's written in the vernacular. It's written like stories and anecdotes, not as, um, you know, boring lists of things and um, mechanistic processes. Excellent. Well, on that note, we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the break, we're going to, we're going to look at uh, some of the key kind of components of this and the key elements that are, that are shared in the book. And we're also going to find out a little bit about a train journey from London to Penzance. So do join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with David Keane. And uh, we're talking about Catalyst, about uh, converting contacts into contracts. And David, uh, do tell us... Do you tell us what it means to be a catalyst? And I'd love it if you could maybe, you know, share 
within the explanation, the story of um, the train journey from London to Penzance? Oh, with pleasure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I said the book is full of stories and that's a really good one. But just before I sort of use that to illustrate what being a catalyst is, I think most of the books that are around business development often often don't help its reputation and, and, and actually reinforce this notion that developing business is a dark art full of artifice and tricks that con people out of cash and everything else. And I don't believe in any of that. And Louisa and I were very keen to write a book that was the opposite of that. I mean, I think we think that being good at business development means treating people, customers or clients or would-be clients in a very human way. Um, And in the book, we call it being a diligent farmer. So a catalyst or a diligent farmer. It's basically the art of being somebody who is there to serve other people's agendas really well. And it's not just about serving your own agenda. I think we all get fed up with those people who you you either only ever hear from them when they want something from you. And we all know people like that. Um, uh, When the phone goes and it's them, you know they're after something because they're never in touch in between. Um, And that's not really what it's about. Um, We don't want people who are just trying to get your business or trying to make a relationship for a commercial gain. And we can spot them coming a mile off. Um, The really, really good people, the diligent farmers, um, as we call them, uh, the people who are good at catalyzing relationships, A, they're interested in people. Um, They're not interested in the money. The money will come if you're you're genuine and sincere and you try and help. So we wanted to try and reposition what networking is really all about. And see it as fun. You know, you're playing, you're playing a game and everybody knows the game, but the real game is just be interested in people and, and stop trying to think short term about what's this person going to be worth to me? Because if you do that, they're not going to be interested in you. Um, so the diligent farmer is the person that constantly nurtures a relationship. Um, they, they collect relationships. They keep on showing up. They keep on trying to be helpful. And if you're good at what you do, whether you're a lawyer or a banker or whether you're a plumber or a a joiner, it doesn't matter. The point is you'll be good at what you do. So if you are good at what you do and you're proud of what you do, then surely more people deserve to get to use your services. But you, you you can't mug them. You can't make them. You can only try and get in the way of them so that they, when they need those sort of services, they think of you. And it takes a bit longer than the, um, you know, the shark hunting in the water, looking for, um, you know, people who are there now in the market. But my goodness me, once you start that system, you end up with this beautiful, virtuous circle where people just come back to you over and over and over again. And you never dry up with new business leads because you've got so many relationships that you're nurturing out there. Somebody at some point is going to need what you do. And your job is just to keep those keep those relationships going and um, make it happen. And and the story of the train from Paddington to Penzance is is a very simple one. It's it's a beautiful illustration of how that really works in real life. And I, I used to, I lived in Penzance, which is as far west as you can get. The train line genuinely stops at Penzance. It's about 10 miles from Land's End out in the western reaches of the UK. Um, and the train journey takes six hours. And um, from London, Paddington, I used to go on the dining car, which I think is the only dining car left on the British train service now. Um, and you get on at 
uh, the, the nine minutes past six train and you get into the dining car. And what was beautiful about it is the steward would seat you with random people. Um, so you've no idea who you're going to be dining with. You're going to be on that train for quite a few hours having dinner. Um, and uh, so it's like a little accidental dinner party. And I've ended up um, on, on a table with the most extraordinary people. I've had dinner with Eddie George, the ex-governor of the Bank of England, with the emeritus professor of mathematics from uh, Cambridge, who was 80 and just going down to celebrate his 80th birthday with his identical twin brother by doing a skydive <laughs> down in Cornwall. Um, I've met journalists, I've met uh, bankers, lawyers. We've had heated debates over dinner. But the guy I always remember the most is um, a solicitor. Um, and he was a brilliant catalyst. And what he used to do is, he was a very funny man. He was a very convivial companion. He used to, he was always a bon viveur. He liked to break a glass, you know, a bottle of wine with you. And we had dinner and, you know, around the dinner table, everybody introduces themselves. Usually there's a few stories. He told a few stories. But over the course of the two or three hours of dinner with the other three people around the table, he would... Um, have a one-to-one -one conversation with them and say, I, I, you know, I gather that you work in, I don't know, consulting or radio interviewing or that you're in, um, you know, logistics. And, he, and because he was a lawyer, he was very well plugged into what was happening at Westminster with legislation and, and in those days with the EU or in Washington or wherever it was. Um, and he would say, look, just so you know, there's a piece of legislation um, coming down the pipe, which is going to be published as a white paper or whatever it is in about, um, six months time and it's going to impact your industry very heavily um, so have a look out for it it's called this and all he was doing was being helpful um, and without fail when we got to wherever the people that we were dining with were getting off the train um, they would reach for their coat and their bag and as they were leaving they would say to this guy I hope you don't mind me asking but would it be possible please to have your business card because what you told me has really made me think and I wouldn't mind following this conversation up with a proper meeting. Would you be open to that? Um, now, what a lovely turnaround. Mm -hmm. Normally, we're trying to thrust our business cards on, on total strangers and impress them on, you know, we can help you with that. We can do this. We can do that. And he did the opposite. Um, he had people begging him for his business card. And he did it. And it made me really think watching this guy do this. It made me realize that is what real genius business development networking is all about helping people not selling and being there as somebody who is an authoritative voice that they will probably want to talk to when they need it and without fail all three dinner companions would get up and ask for his business card and i just thought what a wonderful exemplar of how this should be done in a really clever very gentle but extremely effective way mm. that's beautiful beautiful story that and and you've, you've, my mind has gone back to a, a conference i went to financial one many many years ago and uh, watched financial presentation it was about personal finance uh, presentations mm. after after presentations with charts and graphs and uh, and i have to be honest by lunchtime i was almost asleep and then um, i think i think it was after lunch this um, scottish gentleman came on stage and he started telling stories about his childhood and stories through to his uh, through his life and uh, an occasional just glimpses of, of uh, slightly different beliefs around uh, finance and kind of wealth, but all interwoven in, in good humor. And what I saw 
I saw people at the end of that session run to the stage to get his card. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. There was a mass movement towards that stage and the next session had to be delayed because so many people wanted to talk to this guy and he was just authentic. He was a storyteller. He was, he was fun. Uh, and that inspired me to learn how to, how to speak and be a speaker because I just saw something different, like your, your guy from Penzance. Uh, and all those other guys will have been marveling and wondering what on earth they did wrong because uh, yeah. they got, you know. Yeah, and, and it's so simple, isn't it? It Story, is, isn't it? Storytelling and story listening. Yeah, and how, how do you, how do you um, enable yourself to, to learn a skill like that? You know, he was clearly, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because with that uh, solicitor, there's, you know, there's some consciousness and, and development in that. It sounds oh so simple, but he, he's, he's learned, hasn't he, over a period of time to be able yeah, to Yeah, I think, you know, I think one of the, you know, we all learn, don't we, by watching and observing and either our bosses or other people. Or So you accumulate all this sort of wisdom. But, but you know, there are some young people who are absolutely brilliant at this. And this uh, you know, but I think that the main thing is it's a skill. You can learn it. It's not just a gift from, from above. Um, and that's the nice thing. I think an awful lot of people think, oh, well, you know, they're a natural. Uh, I'll never be like that. And that's not just simply not true. Uh, you might have your own style. But you can certainly do all of these things. And it's, if you boil it down, it's just a few very simple things. You know, I mean, I think um, the, if, you, if you analyze, somebody did an analysis in the Harvard Business Review of the, the most uh, watched, I think it was 500 most watched TED Talks, and then broke it down by Aristotelian rhetoric rules. So Aristotelian rhetoric basically divides the world into logos, pathos, and ethos. Uh, so your credentials, logic, and storytelling. And I think on average, out of the top, uh, top 500 most watched TED Talks, the average amount of content that's devoted to pathos, which is storytelling, is 65%. Mm. And of course, these are, these are the best people in the world uh, at speaking. And there's a lesson in there for us, which we absolutely totally ignore whenever we get into a room and present our credentials uh, or we're on a train with a stranger. We go straight into logos and ethos. We talk about uh, our credentials and what we can do and our competencies. We don't tell any stories and we therefore miss the chance to make a connection with a real human being. And even worse than that, we mistake talking for communicating and impressing. And actually, that's not what it's about, as my friend on the train knew and your friend on the stage. You know, yes, it's good to have a story to tell. And we should all think of our own quick story that says who we are and a little bit about us, but much more important than storytelling, for which there are thousands of courses all over the world all the time, storytelling this and storytelling that. I've yet to come across a course on story listening, um, and it's story listening, getting the other person to tell their story. That is the secret of how to be a good catalyst. Because if you ask the right questions and you get the other person talking, you will, you'll uncover gold because A, people love to be listened to and tell their story. Um, and B, uh, you'll learn loads because it'll tell them everything you need to know about them and what's important to them. And that's what you need to find out. They're not interested in all the blather that you're coming out with. They're interested in themselves. Um, so help them tell their story and listen to it. And it'll be fascinating, I promise. Well, you know that. You've done 437 episodes of people telling stories. 
Yeah, and I love it. I'm I'm completely addicted to it. It's uh, it's it's very very enriching for me. Uh, hopefully, the people are listening to the show. Uh, I just want to just got me sort of thinking really about about businesses, and you've you worked with them before organizations who've maybe got teams of salespeople they might be on the phone scripted conversation initially uh, and you know pressure to hit sales targets is that an effective way doesn't feel like it it is from what you've described to connect with people and convert them are they missing a trick well they probably are missing a trick i mean you can't just you know write off an entire industry, I know, because I, I, I started actually in life in business as a cold caller, selling space for a magazine. Ooh. Um, Ooh. But it, it is a, it's a very harsh school. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you do learn to get a hard skin and everything else. But it's basically a numbers game. Um, but the ones who are really, really good at it uh, do it in the catalytic, uh, in the catalytic way. Um, they build relationships. You know, they know they're not going to get the sale, however much the pressure is on, um, immediately. They might get a few, and that's great, but they're building a pipeline. And pipelines need nurturing and looking after and, and growing and, you know, contact and, and all that stuff. So the ones who are really good at it, you know, if, you, if all you're doing is picking up the phone, making 100 calls a day, getting through to 10, converting one, fine, if that's the game you want to play. But there is a smarter way. That's all I'm saying. Um, a smarter way that, uh, you know, it's no, no coincidence that the burnout rate in call centers and cold calling operations is huge because it's very, very exhausting. It's very debilitating and you don't get much back apart from the word no. Um, so if you want a richer life, then this is a much, much more lucrative, long-term, sustainable way of, of building a business. That sounds 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 good, and and I guess that comes down from the top about you know how to how to actually effectively effectively do this, uh, and yep. you know and you know, be prepared to have an approach which is is um, not just focused on the short term. Yes, I think the uh, the the thing we noticed is when people do this, um, they they what they try and do is they try and be very clever. So what they do is they, they target very precisely. They go, you know, our universe is 200 client organizations, and that's who we're going to go and knock on the door of. Um, and there is a place for doing that, but it, 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 it shows a, a basic misunderstanding of how this process works. If you think about real life, not just business life, but, but life in the round, where do we get all of our most intimate relationships um, what our business partners, our life partners, our lifelong friends, where do they all come from? Well, the chances are they probably came from a completely random beginning. So, uh, you know, when you go to college or university, you're often roomed in your first year with a whole bunch of strangers you've never met. And quite often those people, or few of them anyway, turn into lifelong friends. Um, when you start at work, you're thrust into an office environment or a new, a new workplace or space with total strangers. And out of that come uh, some really good relationships that last a lifetime. And, 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 you know, you go on and your godchildren to various people's their offspring, etc. This is how the real world works. It works in a random way. And, and what we as, as new business prospectors always try and do is eliminate the random. But think about my friend on the train. That was random. And out of it, he got three solid new business opportunities every trip. And he was doing that trip 
once a week, both ways. So, you know, that's uh, that adds up over a, a calendar year to a lot of opportunity. Most people would just think, well, it's just dinner. What's that got to do with anything? I'm targeting. So you need to widen the net. You need to be open to the to the random, which means you turn up to pretty much anything and everything because you never know what might happen. Fantastic. Well, perfect to go into commercial break now. And after the break, let's find out about um, how you you know, how you make um, contacts, how you turn them into contracts, um, some of the more specifics. Um, so do join us with a pen and paper after the break for lots of, uh, lots of wisdom from David. Be back again with you in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high-potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called The Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with David Keane. We're talking about, about um, being a catalyst and turning uh, contacts into contracts. So, David, um, any thoughts um, now on how we generate more leads, more, more contacts? You've talked there about we go on, train, uh, go on trains and you know, be out and about. Um, any other thoughts that could help us to generate more? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... We're creeping back now, aren't we? In certainly in certain markets, we're creeping back into the real world, but we're still in a hybrid situation. So we're online and offline. But quite often, um, you know, when people are asked to go to networking events or industry dues or trade shows or whatever it is, people get people get quite nervous about that because a they put themselves under a lot of pressure. So they think that their boss is sending them there because they've got to close a deal that that evening at the do uh, with a total stranger. You won't. Very unlikely that you will anyway. So don't put yourself under that pressure. And the other thing is they walk into a room full of strangers, all of whom look like they're having an amazing time, really enjoying themselves, having a great conversation with lots of people. And you feel like Norman No Mates or the little wallflower walking into this big room. And and luckily you spy across the crowd a face you recognize. So you, you go over there and you stick to them like glue for the rest of the evening. You haven't done any networking. All you've done is see somebody you already knew. You've got to have a bit more courage. So 
Um, there's a reason that we're very nervous about it, which is it, it plays to a very deep psychological um, issue for all of us, all humans, which is the fear of rejection. We take it very personally and we worry that people are going to go, what do you want? Or even worse, ignore us um, when we when we make an approach to a group who may be talking with each other. But do it anyway, because the chances are there's people there who are dead nervous like you um, and they'll be really grateful if you come up and you make conversations. Same online. You know, if you're in an event and they're doing breakout groups, break the ice. It's um, it's perfectly fine to do that. And people will, will be grateful for it. And all you've got to do is have a couple of pre-prepared, um, you know, ways to introduce yourself. And please don't do your name and your job title and where you work and what you've been doing. It's not interesting. Have an interesting um, couple of fascinating facts about yourself. Um, you know, I've heard people use what, what they call alliterative adjectives that go with your with your name. You know, so you could be think of yourself as dynamic David or or charming Chris or whatever it is, but just something that gets your cogs whirring. So you introduce yourself in a, at least a memorable and interesting way, um, not the standard thing. And then all you got to do after that, dead simple, just ask them questions. Um, and, and if I've got time, Chris, I've got one little story to illustrate mm, what I mean by do. that. So um, I remember being at a thing where um, the guy I was talking to was the, uh, the CFO of a, uh, an online business. Um, I'd said my bit. He'd said his bit. Uh, it wasn't a scintillating conversation. But luckily, I had the presence of mind to ask him, what did you do before you did this? And he said, well, actually, um, I fought with the Mujahideen in Afghanistan for three years as a guerrilla fighter. Oh. Uh, you could have knocked me over with a feather. I mean, mm. here we were wearing black tie at some posh do. Um, and suddenly, um, I spoke to him for an hour and a half. He was endlessly fascinating. And I thought he was this really dull guy, but he wasn't. And it was just that I asked him the right question. And if you do that, you'll, you'll transform your networking ability because you'll be able to unlock what people want to do, which is to talk about what they're interested in. And if you do that, all you're trying to do really, remember, at these events is just establish a relationship. Yeah, if they remember a little bit about who you are and what you do, that's great. But then the next golden rule is you follow it up. Never let go. So stay on their radar. You know, have the have the decency and courtesy to write to them the next day and say, really enjoyed meeting you. Fantastic to learn about the Mujahideen. It was a real education for me. I'd love to follow it up one day. If you fancy having a bite to eat or a, or a beer or or whatever, um, that would be great. And then you're off. You're off to the races because you are um, you're in relationship then. And, and then you can start to find out what their business needs might be and position yourself one day that you may well be of help to them. Um, so there's a few practical things in there uh, to just to get you started and get you over that hump of, oh, I don't really feel comfortable doing this. It's quite interesting, uh, that sort of comf comfort. And that um, I, I, have, uh, I have generated re some really good work from um, one of my, my biggest projects ever came from uh, turning up at a, a friend's 50th birthday and bumping into someone I used to know from college. Yeah. Uh, uh, another, I've, I've generated um, projects um, just uh, bumping into people while my kids are playing football. And, yeah. and I suppose what you are is you're relaxed, aren't you? And you, yeah. you, have a, you have a relaxed conversation. And just thinking about you're you You're not saying, in business mode, are you? No, you're, you're not, You're being you? human. You're being a human being. Yeah, so being a human being um, makes a lot of sense. And then the other thing, I spent quite a few years thinking about, 
you know, I, I would maybe do this wrong, you know, and explain what I did and say too much. And I just learned to say, you know, I develop leaders and teams and build highly engaged workplaces. What do you do? And, you and, and, and that, that's all I needed to say. And then, and I find at the end of it that uh, people were giving me their business cards yeah, and I yeah. didn't even ask for them. Yeah. Um, and, and it happened instantly, actually. Well, there you go. Proof positive. That's, that's how it really works. And you've got your, you've got your story lined up in a couple of sentences, you know, so that people go, okay, I'll get what you do. That's fine. And, and then, you know, you can, wherever you go from there is, is where it's going to take you next. You know, there's some very, I mean, I, I was thinking of some very practical things that people can do. The most important thing is that when you get these conversations going and you'll get a lot of them going, because online, offline, on the football touchline, at conferences and events, it's actually going to meet a lot of people. But you've got to keep a record of them and stay in touch with them. So you need to build, um, in the book, we talk about a 60-day plan. Um, getting into the habit of staying in touch with people, just doing something every day is a basic discipline. So when you've met that person, you stay in touch with them and you work out when you're next going to get in touch, when you're going to share something with them, send them something you know, watch out for their posts on LinkedIn, that kind of stuff. Um, it's doing it something every day. And then you build a new habit. When you've got the new habit, it's like falling off a log. Um, it, but you've got to get going with the habit. Yeah. I, I like that idea of a 60-day plan. <clears throat> kind of keep, ro keep rolling it. Well, there's one in the book that helps get you started. It's, it's based on the Jerry Seinfeld principle when he was asked, you know, the comedian, he was asked, how do I become a famous comedian like you and he said you write better jokes and the way you write better jokes is you write jokes every day and you get yourself a wall planner and every day you write jokes you put a big red cross through that day and your job is don't break the chain of red crosses write every day write jokes and eventually you will write better jokes and eventually you'll get famous he didn't focus on the result he focused on the process and that's what we all need to do and that's I <clears throat> that's something I probably need to need to do myself. My youngest son announced <laughs> one day at dinner time. He said, um, "He said, Dad, your jokes have ruined my life." <laughs> There's maybe a bit of a bit of a suggestion there. I should but, really ask you to tell one there, shouldn't I? But I won't be that cruel. I, won't be that cruel. <laughs> I think I think dad jokes are, are very difficult jokes, to yes. <laughs> to. <laughs> to uh, to up the quality because I think they'll always be under the label of dad jokes, whether they're good or not. Um, so, how, um, how uh, anything else that we need to know? Uh, well, apart from yeah, it's like everything, isn't it? It's a mixture of art, nerve, and science, and um, it's mainly chemistry because that's what a catalyst does creates chemical reaction with others. Um, but the art is obviously. Um, being human and having your story and listening to stories and being interested in human beings. The, the science or the maths is basically just once you've started, you, you, you're not allowed to stop. You've got to keep going. Um, and that's the sort of discipline. Um, but the other things around it, I suppose, are, you know, you want to be interesting as well. So be well read and informed especially in your field of expertise, obviously, but have an opinion about stuff. So when you forward things to people personally on LinkedIn, you're adding value to it. You're not just forwarding it as some sort of empty vassal. Um, you know, you've got a point of view about things um, and that makes you interesting. 
Um, and, you know, spending 15 minutes on a social platform every day builds presence, as long as you're useful. But most people are terribly irresponsible with the way they spend other people's time online or with email. You know, I'm, I think it's a, a golden rule. Be responsible with other people's time. Share stuff that they will genuinely find interesting, but don't just fill their inbox with rubbish because you want to tick, oh, I've done something today. You know, you've got to, you, people hate being treated as a data point. So be personal in everything you do. Um, and, and the other thing is, I guess, go to as many online, in real life events as you can possibly go to. Be there, be seen, spread the word, summarize a conference that you've been to and spread it out so that other people get the value of it, even if they couldn't go. Share. Um, there's, a, there's a very good uh, networker uh, who recommends that you, you basically write off 25% of your time um, that you devote to this sort of stuff with no expectation of any return whatsoever. You are merely doing a service to your community. And then the final thing I would say is never ever refer to your people you know as a database. Uh, it's not a database, it's people. Um, this is about individuals. And when you forget that, um, you're in a numbers game and it's no big surprise that you lose out to people like my friend on the train. He treats everyone as an individual and they love him for it. Love that. Love that. Some great, great, great wisdom in there. Really, really like that. And, uh, and that feeling of talking to people with no expectation in return, I think is, uh, is great because that, that level of relaxation as well is, is attractive when you're not feeling like someone's being pushy with you. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it's a great, a great state and a great mental state to get into, to, to build a relationship, a, a connection. Now at the beginning of the show, we talked, I talked about, you know, contributing positively to a, a better world. When, what, what are you going to contribute over the next few years? Do you think David? And, oh, uh, what, a what a question. Uh, I've saved the world. You mean? Um, I, I think my ambition. My ambition is not the world. Um, you know, I'm. Uh, uh, I'm not being falsely modest. It's just I think I've learned over the years that I, I, I can't save the world, uh, but I can make the people in my world have a slightly more enjoyable time. And if I can do that, lighten the load a bit, or make them laugh, or uh, be a helping hand, or just good company. Um, that, to be honest, that is enough. Um, I, you know, I, 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 when I was young, I wanted to go into politics. I wanted to change everything. Wanted to, you know, I thought I had the answer to everything. I now sadly realise I have the answer to virtually nothing. Uh, there are many, many wiser people than myself. However, I do know that when you touch people um, through kindness or cleverness or something, that adds a little bit of happiness or use to their life, that's good enough. Um, so it might sound a bit sort of, you know, mafiosi. Uh, I look after my own, but I do. And hopefully my own is a growing tribe. Um, and I try to be um, leaven, you know, try to make their lives rise a little bit um, whenever we, we have anything to do with each other. So I think that's the extent of my ambition. Well, I, th I think that I think that is contributing to a better world. So it might have sounded like a, a huge question. Um, however, through the through a ripple effect, through kindness, through connecting with others, it has a ripple, doesn't it? Maybe who you're being demonstrates to others, maybe a way they could be, uh, and that that is contributing. I mean, 
Um, I think there was a, there's a Rumi quote I always liked as, you know, when I was uh, younger, I tried to change the world. Now I'm, uh, uh, now I'm, now I'm, I'm older. I changed myself. Cause that yeah. Has yes. A- well, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, he, he, of course he would put it much more beautifully and, and exquisitely than me. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that's probably right. I think that's, that's, we're probably in violent agreement about that. Fantastic. You've got 30 seconds for a final message. Oh, golly. Um, I think uh, be curious about people. People are marvellous, genuinely interesting, marvellous. Um, ask them lots of questions. Exhaust them with questions. And I promise you, you'll find gold. Fantastic. David, you've been marvellous today and you've shared some, some real gold with us. So thank you so much for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for having me. And, and if you want to find out more about David Keane and uh, his business, Forthright and uh, Blicaba Limited, go to forthright.co.uk. And that's forthright, W-R-I-T-E. Um, and Blicaba is B-L-I-K-K-A-B-A.com. And there's also um, David's personal site, which is keenworld.com. So uh, once again, thank you to David. Do check out those resources and do uh, think about how, you can be a catalyst when you're developing your personal relationships, develop that personal chemistry. And, uh, and, and believe me, you know, I've been around enough to know that some of the things that everything David's talking about really um, have had some experience. I'm not saying I'm brilliant at it, but where uh, those techniques um, are absolutely like gold dust. So um, a good book for on people's um, Christmas list as well, if they're, uh, they're looking to um, elevate their businesses in the new year. And on next week's show, we're going to repeat a, a show, which uh, I did last year. It was on Inner Peace. It was with Dr. Draven James, who was just the most amazing, amazing person. Um, she'd, uh, early life, she was walking the streets of Chicago homeless. Uh, she's now a movie actor. She also uh, runs lots of uh, pharmacies and hospitals, or she did last year. And I just thought Inner Peace would be a really good, topic uh, for those people of you are celebrating Thanksgiving uh, and uh, on a, and for those who do I wish you a, a wonderful Thanksgiving and I look forward to talking to you again and that's all about the way and the rest of you uh, just just go out there um, and like David does make a difference with people take care we thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper business elevation show Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.